this is Coach's Chat, and I'm Betsy Foster. You're in for some thoughtful conversations with fitness industry professionals, musings on current topics in the wellness field, and actionable advice for building a thriving career as a fitness professional. At Foster Strength, my mission is to lead and educate colleagues in the fitness industry to deliver client-centered coaching that gets clients real results built on sound scientific principles, encourages them to build a long and fulfilling relationship with exercise, and disrupts toxic fitness culture to foster an inclusive industry. Let's get going. Welcome back to another episode of Coaches Chat. Thanks for joining. As always, when this episode airs, it is the beginning of August, fresh month. Um, I just love the flip of the calendar. I love the re-energizing nature of a new month. Lots of exciting things to look forward to. And I'm looking forward to some upcoming courses I'm going to be offering and webinars. So I want you to keep your eyes peeled. I'm actually going to be doing a few polls on Instagram to get some information back about how people prefer the delivery of their continuing education courses, particularly those that they're going to do online. So if you listen to this and you are also interested in continuing education courses that have uh, credits approved by NASM and a and things like that. I would love it if you hopped into my Instagram stories at foster underscore strength and answer those poll questions for me as you see them come up. Also, you can always drop me an email, betsy at bfosterstrong.com. That's the letter B, fosterstrong.com. Or you can get into my Instagram DMs, slide on in, and just tell me a little bit about what you're looking for in terms of continuing education. I am trying to make a course uh, that specifically delivers in a way that most people would like to learn. So I have things that are created and I want to make sure that the delivery in terms of live meetings or self-study, the length of time, the length of commitment, all of those seem appropriate for folks who are interested in participating. So that will be coming your way. And I'm just, I'm thinking about that as August rolls around because a lot of that will be heading your way in September. So enough of that. Today, what we're talking about is how the generalist still has a place in training, has a place in personal training, has a place in commercial gyms. I believe there is a real push toward niching down to a specific expertise area that sort of that belief sort of like reigns supreme in uh, certainly in the online space. And we're going to talk a little bit about why that works in the online space in terms of uh, capturing the attention of an audience and really making it clear what it is you do versus working in a gym setting, particularly at the start of your career, why getting good at working with a lot of different people is going to be more helpful. 
And then we're going to talk a little bit about, yes, you can niche, you can determine who your ideal client is, the kind of people that you really want to work with, and ultimately sort of transition your business to working with just those people, but why you may want to start more generally and why starting more generally gives you the skills and the clear understanding of who that ideal client is. So let's get right into it. This idea of a generalist, a good generalist, What I'm talking about here is just a trainer who knows how to work with a lot of different people, a trainer who understands sort of the basic concepts of functional fitness, of body composition change, of increasing endurance, working with clients of a variety of different ability levels, working with clients who have had injury in the past, clients who have a certain sport background, clients who have a wide variety of goals that they're working toward, different ages, different genders. All of these kinds of people are going to have a variety of different things that they're working toward working on. And the more we get good at meeting the needs of all these different people, the more tools we add to our toolbox. There are certainly common threads that are going to run through sort of all of our clients. So that's one place that is a reason why we want to start with being a good generalist first, because there are things that are just going to apply to, if not all, most people. And we want to get really good at those because those are going to be the things that sort of move the needle um, quicker, maybe more apparently oftentimes. If it applies to most people, then it's going to be something that kind of sticks with them, as well as We are going to have a lot of people come into the gym and wouldn't it be good to have the skills to meet the needs of any of those clients and not have to turn someone away and say, I can't help them because I don't have the skills to help this person. So if we think about sort of getting good at the common thread and then getting good at all the different kinds of things that someone might need can make us more employable, make us more attractive to anybody coming into the gym because we'll be able to address their specific needs. When we think about the specialized skills needed to help different kinds of clients, there is a rush oftentimes to become the expert in that area. And in a lot of cases, maybe those individuals don't need that expert. Maybe they need someone who has a general understanding. And if it turns out that they need more of an expert in that area, we can either refer to that person or we can become that person who carries that expertise. I think as as you, you can hear right now, what I'm talking about is there is a point where we're aiming toward expertise about specifics. And if you're starting your career, there's just kind of no way you can be an expert in one thing, let alone a lot of things. 
you aren't necessarily going to be an expert in training ACL recovery or training postpartum women on the second day after you get your certification. And if you're rushing to that point, you are missing sort of all the steps that lead up to it. So one, you're just kind of jumping steps and then you're missing the opportunity to gain all of the foundational knowledge that's going to help support that expertise area. And typically if you're brand new, if someone really needs that specific expert, they're likely not going to seek you out in the first place. Now, let's I, what I don't want to do is discourage you from learning about these topics because I think it's really important. And working toward expertise in an area is tremendous, and I highly recommend it. I just recommend it down the line. So as we were saying, a generalist is just more employable, more able to help a variety of different people. And when you're starting in the beginning, it can be helpful to have all of that. A generalist is also someone who can adapt to lots of different people. I think there is a belief that certain people fall into certain kinds of clients. They fall into a category and then they need an expert on that category because that is who they are. For example, I don't know if that's clear. I don't know if I'm explaining that well. Let's say you have a postpartum training client. They are a mother of two and they're coming in to work with a trainer. And the expectation is that they are going to see the postpartum exercise specialist. They also have Olympic lifting background. They are really wanting to focus on hypertrophy goals, and they have a previous injury from when they played college soccer. In just those three things that I added on to that postpartum client, I've shown you lots of other aspects of who they are and aspects of programming and expertise that may be helpful to them. So I think sometimes when we think about these sort of niche areas, we get this box, we shove someone into a box, and we risk the, we risk keeping them boxed in and not providing them expert service and support of the many facets of their personality, their fitness goals, and their sort of um, client profile. In that, we're just saying, here's the box you fit into, here's the expert, and we're forgetting all the other aspects of who you are. And I know personally as a like postpartum person myself, I use this as a, an example because it's really clear to me. As a postpartum person myself, if I'm always lumped into that mom category, I'm, I'm often frustrated because that's only one aspect of my personality. It's why the Instagram sort of um, line about I help busy moms claim their time back. I hate it. I'm going to be very honest with you. I absolutely hate that line because like, sure, I'm a busy mom and I'm this and I'm that and I'm this. And it just doesn't resonate with me. I also think it's like so presumptuous that somebody is going to know exactly what I need because I fit in this 
one category. So that's just something to be thinking about in that sometimes when we niche to a certain point, particularly just box in the client, we forget about all the other aspects of them. Now, since I brought up Instagram, I think it's an important place time to sort of specify why having a niche area online can be helpful. When you are on the internet, you are one amongst so many more people. And the, particularly as it relates to like Instagram, TikTok, all of these places, the algorithm sort of favors really specific topics that they know clearly who to send them to. It helps the, you know, from a, artificial intelligence standpoint. It, it's easy to categorize in that way. And then if your content is always about that niche item, you increase your chances of the more people being able to find it quicker. You can grow your business a little faster. You get eyes on you a little faster. Now, you can be a great generalist who can also share lots of things. But if you're going to market yourself in that space, it's why you might want to be really, really specific about who you help, how you help them. That's what we're talking about in this niche topic. Now, if you're in a commercial gym setting or you're in a boutique gym setting, you have a pool of people that are going to be coming in anyway. So you don't oftentimes have to be as specific about who you help. It doesn't have to be as narrow a window. And oftentimes, if you're trying to fill your schedule, if you're very fresh and new, having these restrictions around these are the only people I know how to help will slow the process of you being able to fill your schedule. That's where a generalist can really... Um, kind of clean up in the commercial gym setting. And I think the other thing that sort of makes this attractive to people when they get into a commercial gym is they see three or four of the most senior trainers in a gym space have a really specific niche. And what they don't understand is that those trainers have been probably around for a long time, probably didn't start with that niche, and probably didn't always have clients that fell in that. But because they've been there a long time, they've been able to sort of choose who it is they want to work with. They have a schedule that allows them to say, these are the kinds of people I want to work with. I only have two openings ever. Um, Sometimes people are on a wait list to work with a certain person. So that's why. And I think, I think sometimes our brain connects, oh, successful trainer at a gym with a really specific person they help. And while that is certainly something that can evolve, it isn't oftentimes the best place to start. And instead, it's something that you're going to grow into, which is also then helps me transition into who really chooses your niche. I think it's twofold. I think you definitely get to choose who you like to work with, kinds of things that you want to do. So let's say you are a person who really wants to work with sort of recreational athletes um, in their like adult stages. So you like 
the person who might fall between like 35 and 55 who plays recreational sports, they have an athletic background and what they're coming in for is kind of reliving that time, getting stronger, discovering sort of how to strengthen their body as it moves through this like sort of aging process, how they balance their um, athletic pursuits with their career and their families or whatever that might be. That's the kind of person you want to work with. You can certainly know that. And you so a lot of that is going to probably come from why you got into training in the first place. Usually, we're drawn to training for some reason, whether it's like your own transformation, what you discovered about resistance training that took you there, or it's about someone you saw or someone you helped or something you identify with. That might tell us a lot about how you might eventually want to niche to work with kind of a certain uh, group of people. That's one way. And that might happen as you sort of work with clients as well. So one of the other things that I like to think about is like, you can choose your niche, but also sometimes your niche chooses you in that, like how many times are you seeing the same kind of client? Who are the clients that are sticking around the longest with you? Who are the clients who are referring other people like them to you? What are the programs that you're writing that are the most successful? When are you helping people get to their goals most successfully? There starts to become that sort of like avatar idea of who it is you do the best, who you are the best at helping. And that oftentimes also dictates dictates your niche. So you're sitting there and you're looking at your clients five, six years down the the line, you start to see, oh, I've actually niched a bit on my own and I didn't even realize it. It's something that's happening as a result of the work you're doing and the people you attract and the success that you have. And that's why Being a very good generalist at first allows you to see a lot of different people and begin to decide where that niche really exists. You can actually surprise yourself with, this is the reason I got into this and I've discovered that I actually really love blank. The other thing is, is that for some people, you know, if they don't want to build a personal brand online, they might be equally happy training lots of different people. One of the thrills I have in personal training is the variation I experience with the different clients I see. So part of what I didn't always love about being, I work with a lot of women and it it is my passion in terms of working with the female athlete, working with the um, athletic woman, as she ages, all of that. That's all very important to me. But sometimes you get so stuck where someone in a gym is like sending you the six same people all the time. And I'm like, oh, I actually kind of like working with the 
older client who's coming off of PT and we need to retrain some of those patterns and we need to get them stronger, feeling stronger again. Or I really like working with that recreational athlete that we were talking about before. So sometimes if you, you can kind of get yourself so stuck in a specialty that you don't get the opportunity to work with other people. So again, remember that I'm saying that this isn't like one or the other. I'm just saying there are certain stages where you may find that being a very good generalist sets you up well for being someone who specializes. And oftentimes I see people jump to a specialty before they understand the breadth of working with a lot of different people. And then they're unable to help that person in the specialty because they've pigeonholed them as one thing and they don't see them as a multifaceted individual. And oftentimes, our specialty areas don't take into account, you know, like you might be great at programming for certain mobility challenges, but are you also great at talking these clients through their struggles with their nutrition? Are you someone who understands the challenges that also come with their mobility, how their mobility struggles have hindered their ability to lose the weight they're looking to lose or whatever that may be, you, again, it's like when we put somebody in such a small box, we forget about who they are as a whole person. And I think the most successful personal trainers are those who can consider the whole person and provide client-centered coaching that is about a human and not a piece of paper, not a not a list of vitals. Um, it's sometimes what often I struggle with with, med- with the medical community is like we're looking at a person as a list of vitals rather than this whole human being. So I often suggest that we get really good at the general stuff. We at least get enough comfortability with all the topics so that you could help a little here and there. And then begin to specialize as you discover what it is you're looking for. You don't have to be the uh, injury rehabilitation guy or gal at the gym. You don't have to be the mobility guy or gal at the gym. You can become those and you can sort of work your way to that position, but you don't have to have a specialty right from the start. And I think that trainers are just stressing about that because they believe that once you have that that more specific expertise, you'll start to feel like you, you have ownership or mastery. And again, as a reminder, I've said it in previous episodes, I don't know that you're ever going to feel like you have everything mastered. And if you do, it begs the question of like, are you still learning? There's so much we can know and there's so much that we are going to think today that we're going to know more about tomorrow. So you don't have to be the fill in the acronym gal at the gym to be successful. If you want to build an online business, you likely do. You at least have to lead with that and then maybe you also acquire clients in other ways or things like that. But my, my job here is not to help you build your online brand. There are plenty of people that do that really well. What I'm talking about is being a successful personal trainer in a gym or in a boutique space or in your own where you're not trying 
you don't necessarily need to market online. Um, and so then the question I think that would come up next is probably like, okay, so great. I'm going to be a generalist. When is a good time to move toward that niche? And I think it's going to depend for everybody. But I do think if you are trying to build your clientele at the start of your personal training career and you want to make enough money to be able to invest that money in yourself, in your continuing education, as well as just like enjoy your life, you need to stay general at the beginning. Fill the schedule first or at least get to 85% of your schedule before you start telling people, no, I'm not going to help you. I only help these people. Unless you are coming to it from a place where you already do have this huge specialty, I would highly recommend staying general. Get that schedule full. Get a little bit of time under your belt helping different people and then let that dictate or guide you in the direction of where you want to focus that educational pursuit in terms of expertise. And I think in those first years of training, you should also be focusing on generalized education as well. Look at programming courses that are going to provide you a lot of different kinds of programming. Look at mindset stuff that's going to be helpful for lots of different kinds of clients. Look at mobility rehab stuff that's going to be appropriate for a wide group of people. And then a year into it, two years into it, go, okay, now I'm going to focus on courses that are really specific about this one kind of thing. But it doesn't mean, continuing education doesn't also mean that it has to be really spec- um, really particular. There are a lot of things that you can probably do that are a little bit more general that are going to help at the start build that foundation. If we think about sort of like your professional expertise as a pyramid, you want a big base on the bottom. And then you want to have things as time As time passes, you acquire the skills to have that point at the top where it's like, I am the person who you should see about blank. But get good at the general first. There are a lot of people who will have a tremendous time working with a trainer who will get great results, who will have a wonderful experience, who will shout your praises, who don't need a ton of really specific things. They need somebody who cares. They need someone invested in them who is thinking about what they need. And they need someone who has a good idea of all the general stuff. So think about that first. Don't let it become a race to your prof- the pinnacle of your profession at this point. Give yourself time. I think that's one of the takeaways that is really important. Give yourself time. Figure out when you need to niche, when it's appropriate. And also, if you're, this is a a good side note. If you are interested in like building your online presence, but you also work in person, your in-person zone can be pretty general. And then you could have what you imagine or what you envision as your future niching as your online presence, and you can sort of use that as a vehicle to move in that direction. But I still think if you're working in a gym setting and you're early in your career, 
that you should be a little bit more welcome to bring in any person and be able to serve them. So I don't mean just say yes to anybody. I mean say yes and have the, and have the ability to help them. All right. I'm talking a long time, so I'm going to get going. Uh, as I said, I'm always available to chat. My email is betsy at the letter B, fosterstrong.com, or you can send me an Instagram DM at foster underscore strength. That's where I am most of the time. And I have a lot more coming your way. As always, I am so endlessly appreciative of the time you take out of your day to listen to this podcast. And I hope it is helpful. I hope it supports what you're doing and has given you some of the answers that you're seeking. Go do wonderful things. And until next time, bye.